Welcome to the Perry Ritchie Group Podcast, bringing our communities the latest in wealth strategies, ideas, and updates on the capital market to keep you informed and confident. Listen in on conversations with our advisors and industry leaders around the country who are changing the landscape of their businesses. This is the Perry Ritchie Group Podcast. Welcome to the Perry Ritchie Group Podcast. Today is May 3rd, 2023. Um, We're recording today myself as host, Brooke Cassidy. We have Claire Wilson. Hey, Brooke. Thanks for having me. And special guest today is Tina Downing. If you were able to join us at our Southern Kentucky Financial Literacy Symposium on Friday, April 28th, you may have had the pleasure of hearing her speak, but the information was so good and we felt like all of our ladies needed to hear it that we invited um, Tina onto the podcast to do another rendition and she graciously said yes. So welcome, Tina, and thank you so much. Right. Thanks so much, Brooke and Claire. You know, I'm really thrilled to be with you today. I love the conference and what you're doing for your clients and I can't wait for the call today. This is awesome. Yeah. Um, So for those that weren't there, uh, Tina talked about women wired to invest was the name of the presentation. And I love seeing all the ladies in the room light up hearing your presentation. They just felt very heard. And I know so many of them walked away feeling very encouraged and confident to take the next step in whatever direction their financial goals are taking them. Um, So to start off, give us a little bit on what had you dig into this concept of women investing, financial planning, and how can we help them? Well, you know, today women truly are, we talk about women taking over the world, but it's true. We represent the biggest percentage of consumer buying out there today. And today we control about $10 trillion of the assets and the personal wealth out there today. And then in the next, you know, five to 10 years, that's going to move to more like 30 trillion. And by 2030, we're going to control 97%, two thirds of the personal wealth in the U.S. That's amazing. We are taking. (laughs) Yeah, we're taking over for sure. Um, I read a stat that only 61% of women work with a financial advisor. And to think that we will soon take over the world, as you're saying, or, you know, have $30 trillion of, you know, just money that we're having to manage, it really, I don't know, it's kind of staggering. Um, So one of the things that you talked about is how is it that we can help with that? How is it that we can be ready? But before we jump into that, let's talk a little bit about what might be that the 39% aren't working with a financial advisor? What are those things that keep us from jumping in and going headfirst into finance? Well, a lot of times it's, you know, there's myths around women and in investing, right? And, you know, as we're working with advisors, it's important that advisors know both spouses, you know, throughout the whole relationship, but especially when things start going wrong in the family, being able to understand what people want individually within the family as well. But there are certain myths and there's real gaps as it relates to you know us and the decisions we make and what happens in our lives around our investing futures. And you you mentioned something about you know 60 something percent of women work with advisors. 90% of us at some point in our life is going to be solely responsible for our investment decisions. 90%, but that means all of us 100% have to be ready for it. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So you spoke to a couple of the myths. What are some of the myths that are going around out there that us women might be buying into? You know, I hear about myths all the time. And the top three that bubble up to the top all the time is that women don't care about investments and that we spend money irresponsibly. Now, I do understand part of it, why, you know, why, you know, people think we don't care about investments is because of our priorities during the day. And we can talk about those. But also, women, you know, don't spend irresponsibly. The stats show that that's just simply not true. Mm -hmm. The second myth I hear is that we don't like to take risk. And that, again, I can share some stats that really talk about why that isn't true. And the third one I hear is women don't make strong investors. And if you'd love to go through each of those, I'm happy to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Claire, do you want to jump into those? Yeah, Tina, I think um, it was very interesting on Friday, just being at the Financial Literacy Symposium, and you spoke about myth number one, that women don't care about investments and they don't want to be involved in uh, the finances of their family or anything like that. But that's obviously not true. We had so many women that felt so empowered um, to come to the symposium and to ask questions um, during your presentation, and they were taking notes um, and then just felt so encouraged leaving. So I think it's just um, very telling when you go to things like this and very uplifting um, to see that women do care about investments and they do want to be involved. Um, and it might take an opportunity um, like that to go to something by themselves um, to feel empowered enough to ask questions. So um, I just thought that was so interesting and it was just very true um, mm -hmm. to see that. Well, you know, and women do think about money a little bit differently. You know, primarily we're focused on those day-to-day -day expenses, right? You know, household expenses, paying the bills, taking care of education, making sure our kids' needs are taken care of. You know, we do focus more on those short-term needs than men do. The studies do show that men do focus more on long-term saving and investing, you know, but to also think about the fact that you know, that people say that we spend irresponsibly. You know, there was a study recently done that looked at the last thing that women and men bought online. 70% of women bought something on sale. Only 57% of the men do. I would say that that kind of proves that myth wrong. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And it was so true. I, I feel like anytime I think about whenever my husband's like, you know, I'm going to buy this. I'm like, did you check around? Did you do your research? Are you sure we're going to get, did you find a coupon? Like, <laughs> let's make sure that we're getting it as cheap as possible. <laughs> every time I get on Amazon, I look at every different, if it's the same product, I look at all the places that are selling it and I go with the cheapest one. My husband doesn't do that. He just buys what he wants. Right, right. That's right. awesome. Um, one of the other myths that you stated um, was that we don't make strong investors. And I think it's maybe hard for Claire and I and yourself too to feel that way since we're in the industry and we see this. But speaking to someone that maybe hasn't started investing yet, why does that myth bubble up? You know, there was a study done that tracked a three-year three period of men and women investors, right? And the study showed that over the long term, over those three years, that men traded four times more often than women. Now, the impact that that has is the cost is higher many times, mm -hmm. depending on what types of accounts are in. It also means that they're trying to time the markets a little bit more and finding the best days to get back in the markets. If you missed over a 10-year period, the best 30 days in the market, you turn a positive return into the negative return. That's a lot of days over a 10-year period. 
right? Mm -hmm. So our performance actually beats men's in that in that survey. You know, it shows that women actually got 1.94% more in return, or I'm sorry, 1.8% more in return over that same period of time than men. So I would say we're pretty good. We take a longer term view, we want to do our research and we trade less, which is all additive to our long term plans. Well, what is the old adage, buy low, sell high? We're making sure that what we're buying is the cheapest possible and then we're holding on to it, making sure that it's going to be a good investment. So that's good to hear. The other uh, thing we do yeah, actually is take advice from people, even people mm -hmm. that we don't necessarily agree about. We do appreciate getting advice from people that we trust and that we think are experts in the field. Absolutely, absolutely. So you also hit on a couple gaps, and I think these probably hit home for all the ladies in the room. Um, I know the wage gap, whatever we talked about, um, the different times that we're out of the workforce definitely hit home for me. Um, so talk through those a little bit. Yes, the wage gap, it's still, you know, we've come a long, long way, right? But we still, women still make 82 cents on the dollar for every dollar that men makes. And that's even more for African-American women is about 70 cents on the dollar. Latino women is about 64 cents on the dollar. So there's real a real difference in what we can actually um, you know, invest in and the longevity of our investments and what that means. Just by putting that much less in our investment plans, it makes a real difference over time as well. And as you look at the fact that we live longer than men, we live about five years longer than men, that has a, a major impact on the health of our wealth and the amount of our wealth when we do retire. Absolutely. Tina, I, um, even though that we make less than men, um, I think that women probably have different priorities than men do. And then um, as you spoke about on Friday, that relates into different penalties that we come across um, even though we're making good investment choices, even though we care, um, even though we're working and saving like we should, um, we still encounter some of those penalties. Do you mind to speak to those a little bit? Yes, there's several of them. It's the we call them the motherhood penalty, the childcare penalty, and the good daughter penalty. Right? <laughs> now, the mother, motherhood penalty is the fact that you know when you're trying to make a decision whether to pay the high cost of childcare or not. Sometimes, and most of the time, is women that take a step back and take time out of their workforce. You know, and it shows that women in general spend about 44 percent of their working life out of the workforce compared to 28 percent of men. You know, so again, there's that gap of what, you know, the earning potential and the increase in earning potentials you get from just staying at a firm longer and progressing in the organization. That child care penalty really does, it, it makes a huge difference. And we're also the ones primarily that no matter whose parent it is, if someone has to take off work and take a leave of absence or quit their job to take care of parents, women are most of the time the ones actually doing that over time. And think what happens to your earning potential. Sometimes when you're out of the workforce for a couple of years and you go back in, you take a step back in wages. You just do. Not to mention the lack of time that you had to to save for retirement during that time period. Right. And potentially you're you're missing out on some of your higher income years. If it is taking care of a parent later on in your career, you're missing out on those wages that would have been maybe the highest pinpoint of your career. Absolutely. Tina, what would you say to to a woman who has gone through this experience? Uh, maybe she took time off work to to care for a child or to care for a parent, um, or maybe she feels like she has to fight for what she earns. What would you say to a woman that's experiencing this? 
Well, preparation beforehand is key too, right? So as soon as you can start, you know, putting money into a retirement plan, do that. The compounding effect on the more you put in earlier can help negate some of that pain, you know, that you you experience later on. Once you get back into the workforce, go start start saving money immediately. Get back into those plans because that matching contribution really makes a difference. And one of the things that my daughter does, which I just love the fact that, you know, our younger people, this is not what I would have done as as myself because I'm older. And, you know, when someone would tell me what my pay raise was going to be, I just accepted that thinking that it wasn't negotiable. My daughter takes that and is forward looking about it and starts to project and talk to her bosses and the people about what she's bringing to the table why she deserves a higher a higher raise. She's very proactive at managing her career and finding out what the next level is going to be. Absolutely. So for the younger women out there, you have to do that today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that'll help you whenever it comes to those penalties, the motherhood penalty, childcare penalty. I do think that with the option of technology within our workforce, it provides that benefit of being able to stay in the workforce, but still be at home with the kids, but talk about a whole new level of hectic, right? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So if we're talking to our younger demographic of women and um, telling them, you know, make sure you're negotiating your salary, make sure you start contributing to your retirement plans as early as possible. What about later on in life? Maybe we have a married couple and not really feeling engaged to go to those client meetings. They're investing, but not really confident to jump in. What would be your advice to them? The most important piece of advice that I could give for those women that really don't want to be involved in the decisions now could be because we're too busy. You know, I travel four days a week, so, you know, it's hard to have time to do these things, right? So whether it's a confidence gap, you know, that you're you're worried about asking the right things or making mistakes, or if you're just are not interested in it, don't ever put your advisor in a place that they're trying to get to know you during some of the worst times of your life. Let them know what you care about, what's important to you, because your priorities and your family's priorities are just as important as your husband's priorities, you know, and having someone that can be a family facilitator and mentor to help you talk through those decisions is key to make sure when things go wrong, you have someone that you can trust to fall back on and talk to. Absolutely. Yeah, one other thing that you had mentioned is making sure you're organized, making sure you know where things are. I loved your example of, was it a teapot that you talked about that you (laughs) included in your information? So dig in a little bit more on that. So if we're trying to give people takeaway action items, what about get organized? What part of that should they start with? Yes, that organization is key. You know, when my, you know, when my mom and dad died in a relatively short period of time of each other, you know, I was the one digging through in the family, the the files, trying to figure out what was there, what was important to them, what were the family heirlooms that meant something that should never be given to goodwill, right? Mm -hmm. So, so as you think about organization, be sure that you have your financial life especially organized. So when things go wrong, you're not digging for healthcare directives. You're not digging for things. And you're not trying to guess or have people in your family guess about what you want to happen if you can't make decisions for yourself. And make sure that you have passwords there, you have, you know, account numbers, where things are. I was helping my mom just trying to figure out where their car insurance was. Mm -hmm. Right. 
And that teapot you're talking about, that teapot was something that needs to stay in my family forever. If my daughter gets rid of it, I would just die because it was my grandmother's on her wedding day. So there's certain things that you want to make sure that remain in the family that have real sentimental ties as well. The more you formalize those things, the less you have family conflict too when something happens to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's wonderful. Any more advice you want to leave with our listeners, our lady listeners, as we kind of wrap up here? My last piece of advice is take responsibility yourself for asking questions. Don't be afraid to ask. There are no wrong questions. You know, you work with your your teams and your clients so closely to make sure that you understand what their needs are. That organization is key and making sure that your voice is heard with what's important to you, that will make a difference in your future. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Tina, so much um, for taking the time to join us. I will throw a little plug in here. Um, we've talked a lot about organization and next steps. Um, so our team here at the Prairie Ritchie Group has a personal information guide um, where we can help um, help you gather the information that um, is important to you. So. Um, things like insurance, um, who your financial advisor is, who your attorney is, um, writing down passwords. Um, and you can put that all together on that document and share it with your loved ones if you want them to have it. Um, and Tina, I know that um, you at Russell Investments also have a wealth planner. Um, so listeners, if you're interested in receiving a copy, just let us know um, and we can share this with you to help you get organized. That's yes. great. So, so much for having me today. This yeah. is important topic. Yes, absolutely. We're thrilled to have you. Thank you guys so much for listening in today. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to our group um, and we'll be able to keep the conversation going. As Tina said, ask questions, dig in, find the education and move forward uh, your financial goals. Thank you so much. This podcast is intended for information and educational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or instrument or to participate in any particular trading strategy. The information is considered to be from reliable resources, but its accuracy is not guaranteed. The opinions expressed are those of the show's host and guest and are not necessarily those of Robert W. Baird & Company, Inc. Baird does not offer tax or legal advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered by Robert W. Baird & Company, Inc., a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor member, member FINRA and SIPC. Robert W. Baird & Company, Incorporated.